Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap issues and events pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WNBD News Director Cooper Banks. Well, it was a very quick success on election night for Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, who just minutes after polls closed Tuesday was declared the victor over his Republican challenger, Darren Bailey. Pritzker took a victory lap and took questions from reporters in Chicago on Wednesday. To the many Illinoisans who exercised their civic duty at the polls or by mail yesterday and throughout early voting, thank you. Thank you for believing in our democracy. Whether you voted for me or not, I serve all of the people of Illinois. It's a mandate that I take very seriously, and I look forward to serving you these next four years. During my first term, we have raised the minimum wage, balanced the state budget, got credit upgrades, made historic infrastructure investments, made college more affordable, lowered taxes to help families with inflation, lowered the price of insulin and other life-saving medications, legalized recreational cannabis while expunging possession charges, which have mostly hurt black and brown people protected the right to reproductive health care, and the list goes on. As we embark on a second term, my administration will be laser-focused on continuing to rebuild Illinois, an Illinois that works for everyone, regardless of their background or the zip code that they live in. The election yesterday was a chance for Illinoisans to decide who we want to be. Do we want to be the kind of state that provides humanitarian assistance to asylum seekers? Do we want to be the kind of state that prioritizes the mental health and substance use treatment for people who need it most? Do we want to protect women's rights and civil rights and voting rights? Do we want to be the kind of state that leads the clean energy revolution, paving the way for an environmentally conscious and sustainable future? Well, Illinoisans made their decision a decision that we should be a beacon of hope and opportunity and caring. Yesterday, working families won. Children won. Those who have been left out and left behind won. Our economy won. Democracy won. And I can't wait to get back to work. And with that, it is my great pleasure to introduce my partner and the best lieutenant governor Illinois has ever had, Juliana Stratton. Good morning. I'm Juliana Stratton. I use she, her pronouns. And thank you, Governor Pritzker, for that warm introduction and for your unwavering leadership. We have the choice to stand on the right side of history. And I echo your remarks when I say we will stay true to that path. I'm proud to serve alongside you to show that leadership means putting the people of Illinois first. We recognize we move forward when we all have the tools, resources, and support to take that next step. I'm excited to continue working for and with the people in communities across Illinois that are urban and rural, and all of which makes our state so vibrant. We'll continue the work by continuing to bring sustained investment in communities that were for too long disinvested. We'll push forward by protecting women's rights and committing to gender equity. We'll maintain a vision that includes every Illinoisan of just and equitable opportunities in employment, education, housing, and other areas that impact our lives. 
As I close, thank you to all who exercised their right to vote and voted in this election. No matter your vote, we work together to protect democracy. And I look forward to working with you to take the next step during our second term. Happy to take any questions, Marianne. Governor, was it cost efficient to spend 150 or more million? And how much do you plan to spend on a presidential run? Let's put that last part aside for a moment and just say Illinois is worth it. Uh, as you know, that uh, we had two MAGA billionaires who were coming against us, attacking everything that we stand for. Uh, they spent over $100 million, uh, and we're not just going to sit and get pummeled by them. We're going to uh, defend ourselves and tell people what we stand for and fight back. And so that's what we did. And we did so in a way that let everybody know what we stand for and why Illinois needs to move in the direction that it will. And overwhelmingly, Illinoisans agreed with us. And as for that presidential run, how much time do you have to, to think about it before you make that? I am not focused on that at all. I am focused on serving as governor for the next four years. It's really the most important thing to me is we have a lot of challenges that Illinois needs to overcome. We've got to work hard on it, and I'll be doing that. Uh, it's like your speech yesterday. It's more attuned to what happened at a federal level than at an Illinois level. Uh, you say you're not, you're not interested. But what's the reason of the radicalization of yours? Well, my speech was about the values of the two parties. Um, I've tried to make clear throughout the last year and in my reelection bid uh, what it is that we Democrats stand for uh, and also to point out what the Republicans really stand for. Uh, they are a party that is run by Donald Trump. Um, the, my opponent was a Donald Trump disciple. Uh, and, uh, you know, those are values that Illinoisans don't appreciate, don't agree with. Uh, and we successfully, uh, you know, made our message clear and, and won. But the were much broader than that. They truly were. If that was a national level speech, you were addressing a national issue. You didn't mention your opponent once. You referred to Trump twice. You referred to a MAGA a couple of times. Please. I mean, this seemed to go far beyond the contours of the uh, Great River on one side and the Great Lake on the other side. I was expressing my values. These are my values. Um, you know that I helped to build a Holocaust museum here. You know that I have fought against hate really for my entire life. Uh, I really believe that the Republican Party, and that especially includes the Illinois Republican Party, who nominated Darren Bailey, that uh, they, are, they stand for the MAGA Republican ideas, uh, Donald Trump, uh, that party has been taken over entirely, clearly, and so I wanted to make clear what I stand for. That's all. I, look, I'm a, an Illinoisan through and through. Um, I want to be the governor of Illinois for the next four years, uh, and I'm excited to make sure that we're accomplishing things for the people of Illinois and expressing our values. I really think the majority of people in Illinois agree that we should be standing up against hate. The veto session is right around the corner. Uh, the pressure from the election is off. Should people still expect to see changes to the Safety Act made in this uh, veto session before January 1st? Oh, there's a lot of work that's been done by the General Assembly over the last number of months in working groups. And so they're going to bring that to the veto session. And uh, I'll be watching carefully. I've made my thoughts uh, clear. And 
Uh, we'll see if we can get something done during the veto session to address the changes that, that we ought to be making. He said very few words. Um, I got on the phone. He said, uh, I said, uh, Senator Bailey, he said, uh, Governor, I want to congratulate you. And I said, well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And he said, okay, then. That's the entire call. Tell us about your call with President Biden. Did you guys discuss 2024? <laughs> uh, no, I, I got a nice call uh, from President Biden uh, congratulating me on our victory, uh, reaffirming his belief that uh, we've really been imaginative and effective at uh, using federal dollars here in Illinois to get big things done for the people of Illinois, for working families. And uh, he talked about all that on the call. And uh, it was a nice call, really just a congratulatory call from the, the president. I don't know why you are. I think I've answered. Happy to answer your next question. Yeah. What's that? I, that's true. Given the stakes in 2020. Mm-hmm. Given your uh, wavering support for abortion rights, could Illinois adopt even the state constitution or move to try to adopt abortion beyond this definition? We are a pro-choice state, and certainly as governor for the next four years and with a Democratic General Assembly, uh, I think we will successfully expand our capacity to deal with the challenges that are now facing Illinois because every state around us has become an anti-choice state. So uh, we're going to do everything we can to protect a woman's right to choose. And I, I pledge to women everywhere in our state that uh, it is, I take it as a very personal responsibility. You can't deny unblemished success, and that's what the Pekin Community High School football teams accomplished throughout much of this season. Pekin Community High School Athletic Director Cole Stoner caught up with WMBD's The Greg and Dan Show to talk more about it. It's Greg and Dan Show, WMBD. Danny is out today. Mark Algini is in. The time is 741. Pekin Community High Schools had a perfect football season so far. The playoffs are uh, underway, of course. They had that dramatic win the other night by yeah. one point. That was cool. Uh, and the next game is coming up this weekend. Cole Stoner is the athletic director at Pekin Community High School. Hey, Cole. Hey, Greg. How are you doing? Good. First of all, belated happy birthday. I know things. I know things. So belated birthday to you. And <laughs> a you nice birthday gift would be uh, another uh, playoff win, wouldn't it? That'd be good. Oh, absolutely. I always love it when the Dragons win, especially on my birthday week. Tell me about this uh, this team from an athletic director's point of view and the coaching staff and all. This has been a remarkable uh, run for these young folks. Yeah, I mean, from my standpoint, it's just, you know, it's, it's fun to sit back and watch the energy that the, that the football team creates in the community. I mean, Coach Nutter and his staff do an unbelievable job um, getting their kids ready to play, and, and getting their kids ready to play means the fans show up. And, and when Pekin shows up, I mean, we're unbelievable. The stadium there, uh, of course, uh, uh, people uh, who know me know that I'm a proud graduate of Pekin Community High School. The stadium yep. there is, it's hard to win there. It, if you're a visiting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to win if you're the visiting team in that, in that stadium. Uh, tell, me, tell me about um, the impact of young Miss Hansen, uh, the kicker. You know, I think Miley is just, you know, another piece to a wonderful team. You know, it's it's. She does an unbelievable job doing her job and with a lot of attention. You know, there's yeah. not a lot of high school kids get the amount of t- the attention that she gets 
and she still handled, handles herself perfectly. She's still there for, for the youth in our community. She's still a great teammate. She's still a great student. And I think that, that just speaks volumes of her because, you know, she's able to handle that extra load from all the attention of yeah. her being female. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because uh, she's primarily a great football player. That, that's it. Just yeah. happens to be a female. And I know her teammates love her, and I know she is also uh, respectful of the fact that she's just uh, she's a piece of it. She's she's not it. She's just a piece of a great football team. So uh, good for her. Uh, tell me about the game. When's the game? Is it uh, Saturday? Saturday at two thirty. Gates open. Gates open at one o'clock. You can get digital tickets right now. Um, you know, it might be a cold one, so bundle up. But you know, we're dragons. We'll bring the fire. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. That was very well done. <laughs> uh, the uh, Memorial Stadium, Champaign. Uh, at home. No, it's so at home weekend. here in Pekin. Oh, wait a yeah, minute. I thought we were already no, moving. That's, to, that's our Memorial Stadium. Is that, I thought it was Memorial happening Stadium. down at, I thought it was uh, Memorial down in uh, Champaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, quarterfinals, this is. So that's, it's a home. Oh, my gosh. It'll be fantastic. So maybe the, one Legs. of the famous uh, Pekin alumni, Greg Batten, I might, in satin might be coming I, I, I will wear my satin uh, football jacket, and I will come down and support. Uh, 2.30. Get you there. Get the, uh, the tickets again. How do you get tickets online? You can get tickets digitally on GoFan, um, and then we, we will also have some tickets available at the gate. All right, cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I got to tell you, this is a surreal moment. I, I didn't want to lead with this, but uh, this moment's weird for me because I've known you all your life. I don't know if you know me, mm-hmm. but I know your dad. Yep. Uh, of course, your dad was a coach and also athletic director at Peking Community High School. And I'm old enough that your grandfather was the athletic director when I was there. Uh, uh, Mr. Stoner was one of my is one of my favorite people that I ever had as far as an educator is concerned. And it makes me happy, Cole, that your lineage has continued with the Stoner family at Peking Athletics. It's good. I appreciate that. I've got a lot of great mentors. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Let's go back to the team. How do they like? I mean, seven A is those are big kids, and it's a. You know, big kind of tough division. It's the second right below eight. It's the one right below eight A. How do you feel as though uh, Pekin's lining up against these other teams? You know, I think that we're we're always ready. You know, you know I think the law of momentum, and, and I think we really started it. You know, last year, maybe even the year before, Coach Nutter and these kids, they just they kept gaining steam, kept getting better, and kept you know preparing themselves for these big moments. And um, you know, the middle line is not you know say what you want. You know, people said this year that the middle line I was down, but even on down years, they're competitive and they're gritty and they're going to push you and they're going to, they're going to find your holes and they're going to, you know, try to beat you. And I think we dealt, we dealt with that a lot, especially early in the season. And then, you know, just a credit to the kids on the team. They just stayed ready week by week. Um, they kept looking for ways to get better, and, and, and they knew that they were working towards this, not towards that one game. Right. Got it. Well, have fun on Saturday, uh, 2.30 against Lake Zurich, quarterfinals, Pekin, undefeated Pekin Community High School football team, uh, having a great, spectacular year. All right, Cole Stoner, have a great day. We'll talk to you. I appreciate it. You too. Of course, there's been that playoff game since this interview was taped and aired. Congrats to the team on an overall successful season. Turning attention to an upcoming event in Peoria that's sure to be dynamite. Next weekend, Jurassic Quest, thank you, Uh, at the Peoria Civic Center. Prehistoric Nick and Park Ranger Marty are in the studio, words that until today I've never said out loud. 
Uh, and it's good to see both of you gentlemen. Welcome. Glad to be here. Uh, yeah, very happy to be here. Can't wait to be in Peoria at the Civic Center. Tell us about this Jurassic Quest. What is what is this the skinny, as they say? So Jurassic Quest is the number one interactive dinosaur show in North America, with by far the most dinosaurs and marine reptiles of any show. In fact, our Ancient Oceans exhibit even features a 50-foot-long megalodon shark, something you definitely want to see in person. Wow, that is cool. That sounds awesome. I don't even know what that is, but your enthusiasm has me wanting to go. <laughs> so, no, seeing the giant dinosaurs is awesome, but there's so much more to do. So we have three baby dinosaurs that you can meet. Like we have Cammy the Camarasaurus that we have in here now with us. We have Tyson the T-Rex and Trixie the Triceratops. By the way, uh, Cammy, when you, you, you are to, for the listener, you are to Cammy's right. And so you reached out and kind of pointed at Cammy with your left hand and Cammy almost grabbed you. Did you see that? I yeah, was, no, I was Cammie, nervous for Cammie, you. I've got a very long beard, which they also can't yeah. see, but Cammy thinks yeah. it's food and she yeah. sometimes tries yeah. to eat it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, ah. it's, so it's problematic. So uh, 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 prehistoric Nick uh, is currently holding Cammy in his arms. Uh, how old would Cammy be? Do we yeah, know? Yeah, Cam, Cammy's about six weeks old, but uh, oh, okay. her oh. species is from the late Jurassic. So her family's about 155 million years old. So a long tree, big yeah, tree, big, absolutely. big tree, big tree. A vegetarian or yeah, she, she, she's she's an herbivore. So do we have to out, do we have to watch out for him at the? Uh, you at know, the he's time? he's very well trained, so he, he might he might give you you a little bit of a nibble, but he's he's okay. really friendly. Okay, he won't uh, grab you with those little hands. What's what's the no. wheelhouse of age? It sounds like a perfect thing for like an eight to twelve year old kid who's just totally into dinosaurs. But actually, it's it's everybody. a wide variety. So we've got a lot of things for the kids to do. So we've got some of the largest rideable dinosaurs. We've got bounce houses, crafts and coloring stations, fossil digs. If you're nerds and a little bit older like us and you want to learn the real science of dinosaurs, we've got a fossil exhibit area. And then if you're really little, like under two, we have our new Triceratops soft play area. <laughs> so there's Genius. so much to do for all ages. Yeah, that's really the cool. The puns are there. Three days, <laughs> three days of this starting next Friday, a week from tomorrow. Uh, so what what is your role? Do you do you guys walk around? Do you have a show? Do do people see you on stage? What's what's happening? So we're basically educators and yeah. promoters for the show, but the education is our favorite part. In fact, if you're at the show and you have a question about a dinosaur that's not being answered right while you're there, right. we actually have a Dino four one one line, and when you text that, <laughs> it goes directly to me, and I will answer those questions for wow. you. Wow! So I am a Huge dinosaur nerd. You are a dinosaur nerd. <laughs> and did that start in your youth, like most kids get into it? And yes, yes. Most kids, by uh, the time they're four, just love dinosaurs. I, I was yeah. no different. Nick, are you also a dinosaur nerd? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, oh. I th think uh, I was uh, about 10 or so, and I got, I got my parents to take me to the Royal Tyrell Museum in Canada. Uh, we are actually selling our tickets in time slots now, okay. and the best time slots do sell out quickly. So go to JurassicQuest.com and get your tickets before they go extinct. So you got to have some reservations. <laughs> we almost stepped on that extinct line. That is fantastic. Yeah, don't step on my extinction no, I, line. I, I almost, That's my good line. I almost line. stepped on that one. Sorry about that. Well, I'm going to say we have a promo code Raptor that can also save you 10%. Do you want to step on that as well? No, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. <laughs> JurassicQuest.com, Friday the 18th through Sunday the 20th at the Peoria Civic Center. Uh, lots of times. But you do go on and pick a time, right, so that you can... Make sure everybody's got plenty of time to see all the things they want. It how does help to keep day, the crowd. Like, how, like, is it an all-day thing for the kids, or is it like three hours, two hours? Most guests stay around two hours. All right. However, I mean, if you need a little extra time, that's fine. That's cool. Yeah. It's good to see both of you gentlemen. Keep doing your, your best eight-year-old lives, will you? Absolutely. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for having us. Peoria Public Schools District 150 Board of Education encouraging teachers 
to do a little extra credit learning about how to meet the unique challenges faced by educators in urban schools. Board members heard a presentation from a group focused on continuing education for educators. Um, this is, this is a, you'll, you'll hear more about a cohort, a two-year cohort, focused on developing leaders to lead in an urban education setting. Uh, teachers, and this is for teachers, teachers will engage in hands-on projects throughout the two years, and they will um, eventually receive a master's degree in urban education with also a principal certification. So we know with the teacher shortage, we have to, just like we have our teacher pipeline, we're also being proactive to also um, have our own grow your own administrative pipeline. Um, so cohort will have a minimum of 20 participants with a maximum of 25 participants. The partnership is very, very unique for Pure Public Schools, and uh, we ask Rockford to create an urban education experience for our teachers, and they did. Um, and so Rockford has deeply discounted the program for this partnership, so PPS will pay 90% of the program. Our teachers will pay $45 per credit hour, um, and they would take two courses per semester, um, and the out-of-pocket cost will be $270 per semester for six credits, which is a tremendous deal. Actually, I went through one of these programs for my doctorate through PPS, and so I'm happy I'm here giving back. Um, and we had a cohort of 20, 20 individuals um, who went through that program. That one was with ISU. We sent um, information out on October 7th, and there's already a lot of interest. We have 31 teachers as of today, uh, the first day back, who want to attend the informational uh, session of Friends from Rockford, so thank you for putting out that flyer. Um, and then there is an application process which will take place until Thanksgiving, and applicants will be notified by December 9th, and classes will begin January 17th. And so um, please let, let us know if you need any more information. Dr. Wood is actually um, our contact person, but you can send it to anyone and we'll get that information to her. Um, our partners from Rockford, they have a presentation prepared for us tonight. Dr. Ike will work with them because he also reviewed, he's our memorandum of understanding, memorandum of agreement, in-house expert, so everything I run it through him. So thank you, Dr. Ike. And so board, I, we ask that our partners from Rockford come and share more with you. And um, we've asked Dr. Ike to at least present who they are. So thank you, Dr. Ike. Thank you, Dr. Kratt. You covered it all, really. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And um, uh, Dr. Annette Badu, I believe, is the um, spokesperson. And you will introduce the rest of your team. So welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us. We are so excited about this partnership, so grateful and honored to be um, serving in this role. Um, my name is Annie Badu. I'm a professor in the education department at Rockford University. Um, I spent 20 years in K-12 serving as a teacher and a leader and principal in urban schools. And um, we, over the past several years, have 
um, a partnership with Rockford Public Schools, yes. which has much similarity to Peoria um, Public Schools. And the goal, our goal, um, is that we want to be a strategic partner to urban districts. We believe that the very best teachers and the very best leaders for our, di our districts are in our schools, are in our communities. And historically, there have been barriers because college is expensive. <laughs> and so um, we um, see this as an opportunity to partner with um, districts to serve um, and create um, a program that is unique or that meets the specific needs of Peoria. So um, we all know there's a teacher shortage. There is an administrator shortage yes. now as well. Mm -hmm. But those of us who have worked in urban districts, a shortage is no, is not new to us. And often when we recruit, um, we recruit from other places and outside and people come and get all this great experience and then they leave. Mm -hmm. But when you are able to grow and develop the people within the community, they care about the community on a level that you don't see people necessarily always bringing in. And then also um, when they can learn together in a cohort, then they develop a network because part of the reason that people um, leave the field is because it can be lonely to be a leader. So when you spend two years with people that you are growing your leadership capacity, then once you get into the field and you have those hard times, you have this whole built-in support system of people that care about the community, know the community, and can help you grapple with the unique challenges that you might be having in your school. So I was supposed to introduce my team, but I got really excited about that. So let me introduce who's with me. I'll just let them introduce themselves. Yeah, great points, though. You're right. Thank you. Thank you for having us tonight. I'm Dr. Kelly Munson, and I'm the Director of Graduate Studies and an Assistant Professor of Education. Um, I also have been in the field over 25 years, uh, 15 of which was as an Assistant Superintendent and Principal in urban and suburban districts. I also actually taught children who were deaf and hard of hearing, so I'm very proud of your program here. Fantastic. Um, but yes, we're really excited to be here. We have a couple slides to share with you, but I'll have our colleague Megan introduce herself. Hello, yes, thank you so much for having us tonight. Um, my name is Megan Frankfather. I am the Assistant Director of Admission at Rockford University. Um, I have been in the uh, higher ed admissions field for about eight years now. Um, I've worked with a lot of different populations of students um, and working with our uh, teachers going back to school is, is really special. They're very um, a passionate group of people and um, it's a joy to help them and ultimately help the community. So um, with that being said, if you would like to start or go to the next slide. So um, thank you for pointing out earlier, we have already received 31 responses um, and that was actually earlier today. Since then, um, last I looked at 4 p.m. this morning, we were, or 4 p.m. this afternoon, we were up to 33 responses. Um, so already in just a short time without any formal, um, uh, formal presentation, 33 of your teachers are interested in pursuing this program. So um, having their, their interest and their passion in furthering their education, um, that's, that's the base, right? We can all be excited about it, but we need their excitement too. So this is just wonderful to see already at this point in the process and really excited to, to meet these 33 people and potentially even more. So thank you. 
So um, th there are several things on the slide that I probably already said, um, but the coursework that we have designed in our, we have a Masters of Urban Education and that we've been running for seven years now. And the, the coursework is designed to develop the leadership capacity of the students. So one of the things that we all grapple with as teachers and leaders is so much information coming at us, so much um, marketing. There's a lot of savvy marketing out there. Um, and so one of the things we really develop in our students is the capacity to demand evidence and evidence-based practices to know how to use the literature to um, apply to um, the problems or situations that they're dealing with in their classrooms and in their schools so that we're not spending the time that we have on things that are not for us um, or are not going to work for our kids. And so um, I tell all the students, you come in as a practitioner, you leave as a scholar practitioner. You know how to critically analyze what's coming at you so that you make the best decisions for your students and for your teachers. It was a sad piece of news from earlier this week. A longtime local radio host, Rick Stevenson, died. For years, he was the morning host on WIRL Super Hits. Rick certainly loved radio and his listeners. Did a great deal of charity work over the years. And after leaving radio full-time, he served as the public relations coordinator for Community Workshop Training Center in Peoria. Rick was also a model train lover. He survived by his daughter, Megan, and his grandchildren. And switching gears to focus on another former WIRL radio host and a little brighter subject matter, we'll hand it back to the guys on WMBD's The Greg and Dan Show for more on an upcoming Sports Radio Broadcast Symposium at Bradley University. It's Greg and Dan Show, WMBD. Our friend Charlie Steiner started his broadcast career here in Peoria at our sister station, WIRL, while he was a student at Bradley University. He's had a wonderful career, of course, a big chunk of it at ESPN. The Charlie Steiner School of Sports Communications at Bradley uh, holds every year a Charlie Steiner Symposium to honor five-time Emmy Award winner and National Radio Hall of Famer, Charlie Steiner, of course, voice of the uh, the Dodgers for many, that's many, a, many years. That's a big role. He's a good guy. I like, I like having him come in and, and uh, talk to us about the stories of, uh, he was a rabble rouser when he was here at Bradley. He got arrested <laughs> a couple times for protesting. It was the time. It was the time he did that. It was the time he did that. And he started his broadcast career uh, uh, right in this community. Along that path, he brings in uh, uh, people that he's known from way back, some people that are, are relatively uh, new to perhaps his circle of friends and influence, to the symposium. One of those fellas is this guy, Bob Lee. Hi, Bob. Good morning. It's good How's to talk doing? to you. That's Bob, good. along with uh, Charlie. Now, you, you predated Charlie at ESPN. You were one of the, the, the first. I'm not sure when Charlie came along into the ESPN family. But you, I, I was telling this morning to Mark, I said, I believe you're there where you guys were still taping things together with Scotch tape when you were starting that uh, network. I started on the third day in 1979. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we, honest to God, had portisans and uh, no air conditioning in the in the newsroom. You could smoke in the building. That's, I mean, it's 43 years ago. You, you know what, what um, makes it? You had a pedal to power the satellite? Yeah. 
I'm sorry? Oh, I was asking, did you have to pedal to power the satellite? Uh, not far from it. <laughs> but we had signed the contracts with affiliates to sign on September 7, 1979, and by God, we were there. And so I, I interviewed for the job exactly two weeks to the day before the sign-on. Um, I gave notice at my job in North Jersey at Suburban Cablevision. I did my, my last gig as the voice of uh, Soccer Bowl 79 at Giant Stadium. I was public address announcer on that Saturday. Got in my car, drove up, and started on Sunday. Wow. In and, Connecticut. And how many? And Charlie came along about 10. By the time Charlie got there, my God, we we had form and substance and plumbing and, you know. Plumbing. I like I, I like the feel. You know what? Every time I think about those early days when I hear uh, your, your colleagues and you talk about it, I think that the spirit of those has been wonderfully captured over the years in ESPN promos, in the commercials about ESPN. Feels like that. It feels like, hey, we're still trying to figure this out. And and what a, do you do? You pinch yourself sometimes, Bob, and think, holy smokes, we made that work. We did make it up as we went along. I mean, there was no, uh, there weren't, there weren't a lot of meetings. There were, we had executives, but we didn't have a lot of them. The the herd it was still thin, man. They hadn't, you know, they hadn't propagated. Um, and we had we had a job to do, and David, you know, the ethic of the company has always been: there's how, what's the best way to get something done? Don't stand on ceremony. Everybody, bring your ideas to the table. And it worked 43 years ago. It worked over the subsequent decades, and in a general sense, it still is the ethos yeah. of the place. I mean, you see that when they when they take on major breaking news or major 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 you know projects at the moment. So. It's a unique fraternity. And those of us who were there at the beginning or in that first decade or so, we just have a bond among us. We can pick up. We may not have spoken in months, but we, I was on the phone last night with Steiner for about a half hour, just, you know, just getting ready for this. And by the way, I call it Steiner Palooza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Steiner Palooza. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I've, I've, we've had Charlie in here many times, and, and uh, we've uh, helped support this event many years. And, and it's wonderful because there's everything from uh, inclusion and diversity being talked about, sports entrepreneurship, athletes and mental health. Then the evening, uh, you and Mr. Steiner, and along with moderator Jim Willer, uh, Miller, I should say, Jim Miller, uh, at the Hayden Clark Alumni Center. Please go to that, folks. That's open to everybody and, and uh, attend and laugh and And the tell stories, stories will be there. And, and Bob, I want to ask you, like back then, obviously, you know, there was no like massive sports, professional sports contracts and stuff like that. Out of all the sports that ESPN did show back in the day, which one was your favorite? Australian rules football. Yeah. All right. Now, remember though, that? I, I do remember that. It's insanity. It's on a huge playing field. Um, the uh, the on-field officials wear these white lab coats and white fedoras. Um, it's it's un, it's unhinged mayhem, but of course it's Australian, so that's synonymous. And it, it, you know, and I, we we would we would play these games in like a one-week tape delay. But at least twice we carried what they call their their grand final, the championship game, live from Melbourne, from the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Now I. I didn't get a chance to go to Australia in like 1981 or 1982, but I got a chance to stay up at four in the morning to host these things live from Australia. That's cool. And it's wild. Um, but you know, back in those days, you're right. We didn't have those contracts. We, we had uh, a contract to do some Hartford Whaler games. I remember when the God bless the Hartford Whalers. Sure. And, you know, we had a couple of 
this, you know, college football was on tape back then because uh, they hadn't had that major court decision to bring college football in the marketplace. So we were scrambling to fill the time. And as a result, same thing with SportsCenter. We'd be playing primetime programming on tape, and we'd be sitting in the newsroom writing the show that would be coming up next. And I'd say to Jerry Mooring, the executive producer, when's the show going to air? And he's got, <laughs> he's got the run sheet, which tells him how long all the segments on the tape show are. I'm trying to figure it out what time the show's going to be. You know, <laughs> we went on. When the, when the tape ended, we went on and did Sports Center. That is so but, funny. You know, it, but it was that esprit of, of no one's going to help. you got to get it done. There's no rule book on this. And bit by bit, year by year, it became more and more popular and more and more part of the cultural firmament of the country. And Sports Center became the place where America gathered every night to see what had happened yeah. and, and have a little bit of fun at the same time. Absolutely. Well, we uh, we can't wait for you to be in Peoria at the uh, uh, Charlie Steiner. What do you call it? Charlie Steiner Palooza. Steiner Palooza. Uh, Steiner Palooza coming up next week at Bradley University. We'll tell people how to. Uh, get there and get tickets and do all those things coming up in just a couple of minutes. But thanks for your time today. Uh, congratulations on a, on a wonderful career that's still uh, 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 clocking along at uh, high speed. Isn't it cool that uh, you, Charlie, all these folks, uh, we still broadcast. I've been doing this for 40 years sure, almost. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's cool to keep doing it. And we all have those yeah, stories. Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, even though I officially retired from the SPN four years ago, I've established the Center for Sports Media at my alma mater, Seton Hall, and I get so much fun, as Charlie does at Bradley, with yeah. working with young people, yeah, helping it's... explain the industry. Because I tell you, as you well know, the industry that we're looking at today ain't nothing like it was two years ago, much less <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah, that's a fact, sir. All right, safe we travels. All know that our... oh. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see you soon, Bob Lee. Uh, from ESPN, of course, and uh, at the Charlie Steiner Palooza next week at Bradley. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest 360 station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in central Illinois. For Instant News 24-7, follow us on 1470 WNBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And at 1470WNBD.com, I'm Cooper Banks, WNBD News.